You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to What's New with Wired. It's Friday, November 18th. I'm Zeke Robison. Today we're talking about the midterm elections. It showed that the far right's manufactured narrative about trans kids doomed the GOP when they made it policy. Make sure to listen to the end to find out what other Wired podcasts you can check out today. As political theater goes, Republican congressional candidate Joe Kent's Election Day Twitter thread listing all the evils that his Democratic opponent Marie Glusenkamp-Perez would bring to Washington's 3rd District was standard fare. It prominently featured a photoshopped image of Perez driving a light rail train surrounded by pastiche images of rioting and homelessness in neighboring Portland, Oregon, suggesting with all the subtlety of a tactical nuke that her support for the TriMet light rail extension into Vancouver would bring Armageddon. Among the most heinous passengers on Glusenkamp Perez's train from hell, puberty blockers and trans surgery for minors without parental consent and biological men competing in girls' sports and accessing women-only spaces. Kent lost this formerly safe seat in one of the biggest upsets of the 2022 election, and he is far from the only Republican with a weird fixation on trans kids and their genitalia to lose an otherwise winnable race. Democrats won Michigan in a sweep, keeping the governor's mansion, attorney general and secretary of state's offices, a majority of the state's congressional seats, and majorities of the state house and senate. The latter was a feat that had eluded Michigan Democrats for nearly 40 years. Afterward, Michigan Republican Party Chief of Staff Paul Cordes released a memo blaming his party's dismal performance in what was supposed to be a red wave election on its excessive focus on red meat culture war politics. On trans politics, he was blunt. There were more ads on transgender sports than inflation, gas prices and bread and butter issues that could have swayed independent voters. We did not have a turnout problem. Middle-of-the-road voters simply didn't like what GOP gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon was selling. Save for notable exceptions in Florida and Texas, this was a pattern that defined emerging Democratic victories coast-to-coast. Attempts at promoting local versions of Florida's disastrously bigoted don't-say-gay law flopped almost everywhere else. It's patently obvious that Republicans despise transgender people, 
But our centrality to their messaging is a function of more than hate, even if gender anxiety is useful to fascists and their enablers. One of the key factors here is that their transphobia is wildly promoted on Twitter and the ever more feverish swamps of Gab, Truth Social, and other QAnon hangouts. But Twitter is the big one, with influencers like Libs of TikTok and Matt Walsh using the platform to stoke widespread moral panic about transgender children. The frenzy they've whipped up among their rabid followers has even precipitated bomb threats to clinics that provide gender-affirming treatment for minors. As of this writing, Boston Children's Hospital had just received its third such threat. Twitter is brilliant for allowing influencers to create a sense of ubiquity, even for such reprehensible platforms, by crowdsourcing a relatively small number of followers into a great mass that can be turned into anything from a spear point to white noise. That Potemkin ubiquity created a pipeline connecting such influencers to powerful officials in the Republican Party, would-be candidates, and an intense faction of primary voters, all of whom saw in Twitter's metrics a sign that anti-trans moral panic could light a fire under the wider electorate. What resulted was an embarrassing series of defeats. There is a wholly self-contained ecosystem of far-right influencers and followers on Twitter and Facebook. We know the ecosystem spreads disinformation and prejudice, but less thought is given to how it creates phantom movements, where a few motivated obsessives can make a cause appear far more popular than it really is. Time and again, research has demonstrated how easy it is to fashion these information silos and how few accounts are really required to make such an impact. The downstream effects here are dangerous, especially when it comes to licensing the extremism of the extremely online. Prior to the election, notionally serious political commentators like Matthew Iglesias suggested that the Democratic Party should cater to those with qualms about trans rights, as he believed the issue was bound to cost the Dems crucial votes. But come election day, no red tsunami of anti-trans backlash materialized. The belief of men like Iglesias in this silent majority that would vote decisively on the issue is fueled by online discourse that dramatically overemphasizes it. The far-right Twitter bubble, in all its recursive fury, is partly to blame, but the extremist views also leak into mainstream sources. Just this week, the New York Times published yet another story raising concerns about the puberty blockers taken by trans children. Christina Jewett, one of the two reporters with a byline on the article, was quickly revealed to be following a number of major anti-trans influencers on Twitter. While it's not unusual for reporters to follow a range of voices, it's notable that she focused on this minority fringe while following virtually no transgender people or groups that would have been far more relevant to an article of such broad scope. Anti-trans extremists returned the favor by promoting and complimenting the article. The feedback loop between loud influencers and mainstream journalists-slash-pundits has worrisome implications. Even if the Republican Party's ruthless attempt to weaponize trans people turned off most voters, it still created and sustained a climate of prejudice. The shattering depression caused by the steady drumbeat of demoralizing discourse debating your very right to exist is not to be underestimated. And the laws that have been passed off the back of this moral panic are affecting real people in material ways. In this way, a small minority of bigots in an echo chamber have actually managed to shape public policy and hurt innocent people. The tight networks of anti-trans extremists we see on Twitter conspire to manufacture consent in a uniquely 21st century way. 
on the cheap no less. When they gather in person, the paucity of their numbers is plain as day. Online, they're better able to shadow box well above their weight class by swarming individual targets. What results is the illusion of a crowd. After all, if you're an individual trans person being harassed by 10 or 20 different accounts spewing transphobic bile at you, it's hard not to feel overwhelmed. But even if all those accounts were authentic, hardly a guarantee, they'd look far more pathetic if they were arrayed in person at a protest. The trick here is to convince people that these online trolls are the tip of a larger ideological iceberg, giving voice to a silent majority of citizens for whom the genital inspection of children is their top priority in a year of war, plague, and an enduring cost-of-living crisis. And the all-important second half of this pas de deux is the laundering of excruciatingly self-referential Twitter discourse amongst this pantomiming minority in mainstream outlets desperate for what media critic Jack Schaefer memorably calls bogus trend stories. Mercifully, we've all been treated to an explosive example of how badly mismatched perception and reality are here, a political environment tailor-made for Republican success at every level of government has led instead to one embarrassing defeat after another because their candidates were trying to win on MAGA Twitter rather than at the kitchen tables of every family not hopelessly addicted to the platform and its many sad imitators. There's something bleakly poetic about the fact that the Republican Party's embrace of Twitter is slowly suffocating it. After all, they deserve each other. Make sure to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, Lyft aspired to kill car ownership. Now it aims to profit from it. Checking in on Wired Science, why Qatar's World Cup can't be classed as carbon neutral. And on Wired Security, China's digital yuan works just like cash with added surveillance. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from Wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.